The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Our guest this week is the Manager of Content and Insights at Chartmetric, a platform that offers analytics services for music industry stakeholders that rely on data to make decisions. Chartmetric tracks data across multiple sectors and delivery sources in the music industry, analyzing over 1.3 million artists and over 1.7 million playlists as part of their services. Our guest is here today to give us some data insight about how COVID COVID-19 is affecting the music industry, and you can find out more about our guest work by visiting www.chartmetric.com. We are happy to welcome Jason Hoven onto the Break the Business podcast. Hi, Jason. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? It is going great. We're talking data. I love this. I I was just telling you in the pre-interview, and it's something I tell everybody I talk to in the music industry such that I probably annoy people every time I say it, but data is everything in the music business, and I think the people who control the data... And the people who know how to interpret and analyze the data are going to be the ones that move forward in this industry. And so I'm glad we're talking to you to talk about data. So before we get into some of the great insights that Chartmetric has put together about how COVID-19 is affecting the music business, I'd like to learn more about Chartmetric and just its process. I mean, how do you guys gather all this data from all these different sources in the music industry, because I think it's all the more challenging now in today's industry, as there are so many more data points than there's ever been. There's so many more sources for music data than there's ever been. It's not the old days where it's just radio play and record sales at a store. There's so many different ways we're consuming music, enjoying music, producing music, that it it boggles my mind that an organization like yours can track all this data. How do you do it? Uh, with a really awesome team, um, it's it's hard work. Um, you know, any indie musician out there, you know, who has music up on any one of the streaming platforms or has you know a Facebook or Instagram, there's more than enough numbers and pie charts to go around. Um, I think one of our challenges now is to simplify it and to try to synthesize it in a way that's understandable to people who, you know, don't spend all their day looking at you know 20 spreadsheets and different browser tabs. I think that's kind of the trick is to try to kind of take away kind of actionable kind of next moves. You know, what kind of campaign should I do um, towards a certain demographic on this platform versus, you know, what kind of playlist should I get on that platform? I think trying to boil all that stuff down into into something that uh, is kind of very kind of easy for kind of a next step. That's kind of like what we try to focus on. So, you know, we got a lot of brilliant data scientists and engineers who are on the team. And, you know, I am just in awe of what the things they can do for sure. So in your line of work, the challenge isn't finding the data because it's everywhere and it's coming from many sources. It's making sense of the data. It's sort of keeping every keeping the data in line, synthesizing it so that you actually can produce nuggets of useful wisdom for all the music industry stakeholders that you serve. I mean, that's that's really where the challenge lies, it sounds like. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we try to ingest a lot of these, you know, um, pieces of of data and try to boil it down to things that uh, are easy to understand. For example, we have this thing called a cross-platform performance ranking. So we call it CPP for short. Essentially, it's a where I think we have a, at least 2.2 million artists that we're tracking on our platform um, day to day. And so we try to take things like, 
you know, what playlists and how many followers um, do they have on Spotify versus um, how many um, YouTube views do you have on your YouTube channel versus uh, how many Instagram followers did you gain in the past, you know, X amount of days. And we just kind of, every day we run this algorithm that kind of boils it down to a ranking um, where we take these, you know, all these 2.2 million artists and kind of give them from one to 2.2 million. Where do you stand? How's that changed from yesterday to today? How did it change from last week to this week? And that just kind of helps give you a sense of, hey, if I did this, you know, social media campaign on Twitter, um, or I, you know, dropped a new album, it affected me so much. And over the course of time, you start to understand the patterns and how you stand in relationship to other people, which I think is another piece of it. Um, when you're kind of looking at your data as an artist is, you know, you can see your own stream counts or, or whatever, but at the same time, you want to know, well, how does that put you in the context of, you know, benchmarking yourself with other similar artists in a similar genre, uh, in a similar geography, maybe, or a similar language or a similar, um, I don't know, just vibe. And, you know, how do I stand amongst uh, those people? And so stuff like that is kind of how we try to focus the tool. One of the things that you guys do that I really like in terms of this mission of yours of creating actionable data for music industry stakeholders uh, is the stuff that you do on the media side. You have blog.chartmetric.com where you guys are putting out a lot of really cool articles where you interpret this data in really interesting ways and, and keep us all much better informed here in the industry. And recently, Chartmetric has been producing a lot of really powerful insight lately about the effect that COVID-19 is having on the music industry. And and listeners, again, you can find uh, this series called COVID-19's Effects on the Global Music Business at blog.chartmetric.com. And this topic is something, Jason, that we've been talking a lot about here on the podcast. And the last few guests have been talking about how COVID-19 has affected their sectors of the industry and how it's affected indie artists. And so I'm interested in hearing more about the data of all this. As you've gone through the data to see how the pandemic has affected various sectors of the industry, whether it's recorded music or live performances, sync licensing. What is one particular piece of data that surprised you the most that perhaps goes against what might be the conventional wisdom about how COVID is affecting the music business? A great question. Um, I would say that uh, probably one of the biggest unexpected things was learning how people used certain platforms and how much that affects the way you interpret data. For example, so we, it's like a three-part series that we did um, or are in the middle of, um, better said. And so the second part we did, uh, we studied YouTube views um, in six different countries. And essentially what was really surprising when we took a look at kind of the geography of, you know, this, this COVID, this new COVID lifestyle that we have is how much the local um, kind of comings and goings really affected uh, what we saw. Um, for example, uh, we looked at India and we looked at the top 100 artists um, in YouTube views, you know, over the past few months and kind of looked at how that trended up and trended down. And uh, there was this, remarkable decline actually in India of YouTube views, which was surprising because uh, if you're familiar with India's uh, kind of involvement with YouTube, just from a very just simple, you know, day-to-day -day level, the consumption levels there are mind boggling. Uh, the amount of views that uh, come from India is just super, super high. And to see that decline was really interesting. And, you know, one of the things that once you dig a little, you, once you dug a little bit more, you found out that, um, you know, on a certain week, uh, the Bombay, the Bombay, Bombay Stock Market Exchange um, started putting out stuff. There were travel advisories that went on in India. 
uh, the prime minister uh, a certain week had ordered a national lockdown, which was the first time it had ever happened. And then another week, uh, the local or all the universities across the entire nation, which is an entire world unto itself, um, all shut down. And that seemed to correlate the most with that, um, the kind of the decrease in YouTube views. And so, you know, on, on one hand, you hear stories of, you know, in America, YouTube consumption has gone up. Um, there's been a lot of research uh, by really great companies like Nielsen, MRC Data, talking about how, you know, a lot of streaming uh, past, you know, the mid-March period, you know, it went up for YouTube because people are at home, they're hanging out in their pajamas and they're, uh, they can look at YouTube videos versus just listening on, you know, audio platforms like Apple Music or Spotify. And, you know, when you switch the context to a different part of the world, uh, the stories com can be completely different. And so long, long story short, um, the big takeaway for me when we went through this research was, you know, you really have to put into context the numbers that you see. And I think that's the most important thing when, you know, talking even outside this COVID stuff, you know, that's so important to not just look at the numbers and think, um, that's all there is to the story. There's so much that goes into it. And I think that's where kind of the skill comes in. I was particularly intrigued by your anal your uh, your blog's analysis of how the pandemic is affecting music streaming habits. I mean, on the whole, it looks like music streaming is still thriving during the pandemic, which makes sense. People still want to listen to music, but certain genres are doing a lot better now than other genres are. And I was pretty shocked by that. Can you talk a little bit about those insights? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the obvious ones I think that um, were expected were um, classical music, uh, ambient music, which includes lo-fi hip hop, which is super popular with you know, college age listeners who you know are studying for finals or something like that. Um, those went up uh, and to include children's as well, which is uh, if, if you're a parent, um, you, yeah. you certainly know that you're looking for any way possible to keep the kids busy, to keep them engaged because you know more often than not, uh, school's been canceled for the rest of the semester or year. And uh, you're kind of, you know, at home, you're trying to work and at the same time, keep them busy. So those three genres uh, went up the most in terms of listenership. It widened the most, which is a word we use because we weren't uh, counting this particular case by stream count, but by the number of unique listeners. So essentially, you know, that's highly affected by editorial playlisting on Spotify. We looked at Spotify, um, by the way, for uh, just this particular piece. Um, so that, I think those were the obvious ones. I think the ones that... Um, were probably not as expected were, uh, so pop country and dance, those three genres were relatively unaffected. Um, I think I was somewhat expecting when we went into the research that pop uh, was gonna be um, relatively, like there'd be a stark uh, downturn um, in the sense that, you know, there's uh, less partying going on, um, you know, people getting together in a place and hanging out and listening to music. Um, it was kind of relatively unaffected. And by that, I mean it, not that it necessarily there were less people listening to pop music, but in one way, um, it, it didn't trend down necessarily because of, of COVID-19 or coronavirus. And I think that was one of the distinctions that's kind of really hard to kind of decouple from any kind of normal movement that you might see, you know, during the springtime. Uh, one of the more interesting things was country music, if you're a country fan, uh, was actually doing great. Um, and I, I would love to actually check in the, in the, you know, again, you know, these queries that we did because country music at the time, you know, most of these genres went through a kind of like a narrowing or a downturn um, in mid-March, but country was, it was acting as if nothing happened. It was increasing <laughs> as much as it did last year in 2019, around the same time. And uh, it was super interesting because, you know, when you think about uh, some of the stories, because even just within the United States itself, 
you know, you have different states, different governors who are taking very different tacks on, you know, you know, in March and April, you know, uh, we're going to leave our beaches open or we're going to close down our stores here. Or, you know, it's been a very different um, story depending on where you lived in the country and what region you were in. So, you know, not to say that, you know, I know Chicago, for example, is a huge uh, fan of country, but usually countries connected to Nashville, a lot of the su southern states, um, a lot of the major uh, metropolitan areas. And it just didn't seem to have any kind of effect um, on country at all. So, you know, it was really kind of interesting to see all those different um, nuances. Well, country is just a resilient fan base. Those are those are loyal fans in that genre. And perhaps your data is bearing that out. Yeah, for sure. I want to turn the focus now to the folks that really listen to this podcast, which are independent musicians. We give advice every week to this group and we do everything we can to help these awesome people move their careers forward. And I, I and it should come as no surprise to you, Jason, that a lot of the indie artists who listen to this show are suffering right now. Independent musicians tend to get a larger proportion of their income from live performances, from getting out into clubs and bars and things like that. And as those opportunities are drying up, uh, independent musicians are, are trying to find other ways to make up for shortfalls in, in, in income, try to just find other ways to keep things moving forward for themselves. And so... I'm wondering, in your role as a data scientist and looking at all the data trends in the music industry, uh, is there anything that you're seeing from the data in terms of how COVID-19 is affecting this that might provide some insight that could be valuable to indie artists right now? Perhaps is there a sector of the music business or an approach that they should be taking based on the data? Uh, like it, it, Perhaps live streaming might be a, a way to go? Sure. So... It's always a, a delicate balance uh, when we try to answer that question. Um, it's something we think about all the time is balancing, you know, what from a business perspective, what is what is the data telling you or suggesting what your next moves could be versus, you know, you saying true to yourself as an artist. Mm. Um, I know there's this constant refrain that you hear whenever you go to a conference or you're reading about um, kind of music data, you know, on, you know, a uh, news article or, or blog online is this kind of gut versus data um, argument, which I am so not a fan of because I, I feel like that in a lot of ways is just measuring um, love for a lack of a better term, you know, the love from fans and how that translates to numbers and pie charts, you know, it looks like one thing, but at the same time, you're also just measuring how much, you know, your fan base is into you. Um, so that's really all data means to me. And, you know, on one hand, you know, for example, we were just talking about, you know, children's music. Uh, you know, if you make hardcore metal, uh, maybe children's music isn't the best thing for you to go into, even though the data is saying that it's, you know, a genre that's, you know, getting bigger. It could be. Uh, to be honest with you, I just said that right now, and that sounds super cool. I would be <laughs> so into that. Let's. I'm already thinking of some metal bands that I listen to that, I mean, you get some xylophones in the room and just I some mean, ukuleles and do some children's music versions of those songs. I, oh my God. I mean, how cool would that be? I, Tremendous. It's, it's one of those things where it seems so wrong. It's right. Um, <laughs> it's not, it's not the, I mean, it's a crazy idea, but at the same time, that's the kind of thing that would be an, an amazing press release. Yeah. I mean, I would love to hear if like Metallica, you know, did a kid's album. Um, but, uh, you know, to connect it to something different, you know, when you mentioned live streaming, you know, Metallica, we, so we're doing this, this other research on kind of live streaming in the coronavirus, uh, era. And they were actually one of the groups that have really embraced live streaming. Um, you know, that, uh, it's done really well for them. They had a, a really big uptick 
in YouTube subscribers, for example, because they have this thing called uh, hashtag Metallica Mondays. And uh, every now and then uh, Lars Ulrich, the drummer for Metallica will just pop on for a little bit um, or another member of Metallica and they'll uh, kind of hop into the live chat with a lot of the other uh, fans on YouTube and you know mix it up and then they'll play like a pre-recorded live concert um, of Metallica you know back in the day and that will be like an hour to our live stream on YouTube um, I think they do it on Facebook as well and it's really affected kind of like the engagement they get online um, you know so for if you're an indie artist I, I feel like live streaming is like a natural um, you know that's kind of like the, the the hot topic nowadays in terms of what can possibly replace you know, being in a bar or a club and, you know, connecting with people, um, you know, face to face. Um, you know, it has to be done in a way that I think is authentic to you as an artist. Um, you know, not everybody's meant for TikTok videos and that's okay. Um, but sometimes just hanging out, you know, I think I've read, you know, some other pieces that were really insightful. I thought about the live streaming phenomenon today. And, you know, sometimes, the best value is not even when you're playing music. It's just you hanging out. It's just you, you know, yeah, of course you'll play songs and you'll talk about them, but I think the talking is probably the most important part because people want to feel like they're close to you. And that's a hard thing to gauge in, in numbers, but at the same time, we kind of can, um, you know, because we, we look at how many people will, you know, for example, Tory Lanez, the rapper, he had this huge thing called, or has this huge thing called Quarantine Radio that basically broke Instagram Live uh, because it, the tool just was not, um, you know, <laughs> it, they didn't expect to have so many people. I think it was like 300,000 plus concurrent viewers on IG Live. I think he's getting more nowadays. Um, you know, that's super cool for him. And he's kind of rediscovering like another career now as like this, this kind of show host. Um, which is super cool. So, you know, it's just one of those things where I think you have to find whatever's hot and find a way that it makes sense for you as an artist and whatever your, you know, brand is, um, quote unquote. And uh, I think that's where the creativity comes in. You know, I think creativity isn't limited to the studio. I think, I think it absolutely um, extends to whatever ways you want to kind of connect with your fans. And I think that's honestly where a lot of the fun comes from. Without a doubt. And I, I'm really impressed by the, the way I'm seeing artists embracing live streaming lately. I think I, I definitely get what you're saying about closeness. I think it's one of the best assets that an indie artist has is because their fan base isn't gigantic yet. They have the ability to have really deep one-on-one -on -one relationships with every single one of their fans and fans love that stuff. And, yeah. you know, as, as social media tends to, you know, remove the distance between creators and their fans and you can create those relationships. The more that you can make those relationships a part of what you do, the fans will love that. And you don't need, you know, they always talk about, you know, you don't need a million fans. You just need a thousand fans to give you a hundred dollars. Yeah. And, and, and live streaming is a great way to cultivate that kind of deep fan relationship, something that's, you know, uh, an inch wide and a mile deep. And you can get those kind of passionate fans that will, uh, give you, you know, the the resources and attention you need to have a stable career, even without you know a million people worshiping you. And yeah. I'm glad that your your data insights are bearing some of that out. If you want to find out more, listeners, I strongly recommend checking out blog.chartmetric.com. Right now, there are two articles in the series that they've put out about COVID-19's effect on the global music business. We've only scratched the surface of the many really cool insights they put together, and I believe there's going to be a third blog entry coming out. In the next few days, I think, uh, probably perhaps by the time this episode comes up, if not a few days later, and y'all should definitely check that out again. That's blog.chartmetric.com. 
Jason, this has been such a treat. I love talking data with you, man. Please don't be a stranger. I'd love to keep this conversation going and uh, have you on again real soon. Uh, Thanks for having me, Ryan. I really appreciate it. It's been fun, man. Likewise. And thank you all listeners for checking out the Break the Business podcast.